What is up, Plugged In listeners? Happy Monday. Welcome to Plugged In on Anchor. I am Pete Brown, your host. Hope that everybody's had a great Monday so far and had a great weekend. Um, I was actually out of town this weekend. I began recording this show um, towards the end of last week. I believe it was uh, Thursday, um, but just now being able to get it out. I um, had a busy weekend. I was uh, in, down in Alabama for a wedding. Uh, been crazy busy with work and a uh, little side project that I've been working on that uh, be able to tell a little bit more information about later. But uh, I hope that, again, everybody had a good weekend. My wife and I had a great time down in Alabama uh, celebrating uh, her best friend, Nicole, and her new husband, Bo, um, and their wedding. Uh, very excited for them. So congrats to you guys. Um, but today, I'm going to be diving into uh, a pretty important topic. Um, net neutrality has been a big buzzword over the last few weeks. It's been a topic of discussion all across the tech scene. Um, last Wednesday was the net neutrality day and you would see a lot of sites kind of uh, mentioning their support for net neutrality. Um, but it, it's, it's a really important topic. Um, I'm just kind of going to give a brief definition, um, kind of a little historical background, but as I mentioned, there, there's a, a great write-up from Tom Merritt um, on, uh, on on the history of, of net neutrality that I highly recommend everybody checking out. Um, but that's going to kind of be the main topic. I'm going to get into a lightning round that will consist of a few different things. Uh, the Pixel XL 2 image has started to leak. Um, Google released a new backup and sync app to replace Google Drive and Google Photos Sync. Um, Hyperloop One um, had its first full-scale system demoed um, for the first time, so that was uh, pretty cool. And uh, Amazon is uh, going to begin to start sharing voice transcripts with developers. Um, so uh, kind of a lot um, going on there. Um, but again, net neutrality is the main topic. That will be um, main point of discussion, and I'm going to get into that in just a moment. But first, I just wanted to say that thank you for everybody out there listening. Um, I really enjoy um, just kind of getting some interaction with, with any of the listeners out there. Um, if you're listening within the Anchor app, please feel free to leave a voicemail. Um, I'd love to to get some feedback and, and start a discussion there. Um, I'd be happy to feature that voicemail on the channel. Um, then, uh, you know, post a response, obviously, and, and continue the conversation. Um, reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Paul Jones B and at plugged in underscore tech for the show's Twitter account. Um, the show is now all also available on four of the major podcasting platforms, um, Google Play Music, Apple Podcast, Overcast, and Pocket Cast. Um, so I'm really excited about uh, that expansion and, and that distribution platform. Um, it's been really cool to get things posted out there and, and kind of, you know, have a full-fledged podcast. So, um, I, you know, I love how quickly Anchor has added support for um, other podcasting applications and things like that. Um, so it's, it's just it's just really cool and, and made me um, that much more excited to, to, to get recording and, and get things posted. Um, so going to dive into um, net neutrality. Um, so thank you guys for listening. Um, let's get into it. So net neutrality is a topic that a lot of people have probably heard floating around the last couple of weeks, um, specifically leading up to this Wednesday, July 12th, um, that was net neutrality day. And you may have seen a lot of your favorite websites, uh, especially tech websites, social media sites, um, have some sort of banner or some sort of indication that, you know, maybe you should take action and, and you know, click a link and maybe read a little bit more about net neutrality and learn some and, and, and perhaps take action, contact your, your representatives and things like that. And um, that's because recently with, with the new FCC chairman, Ajit Pai, um, regulations and things that were put in place um, two years ago in 2015 um, are in jeopardy. There is a great chance that they're going to be overturned. 
um, Ajit Pai is, is took over as FCC FCC chairman um, in the new presidential administration um, for Tom Wheeler, who was the chairman um, under under uh, President Obama, um, and so. Ever since he's taken over, it's, it's kind of been understood that net neutrality and, and Title II was, was going to be one of the first things that he, um, he went after. And it's, it's obvious that he's doing that already. That, that's been, again, probably the first you know, major thing that he's, he's attacked as, as chairman. And tech companies are speaking out against that. A lot of people in the tech community, but um, elsewhere, I've seen people all over social media, Twitter specifically, they may not be, um, you know, in the tech scene or anything like that, but they, they understand that net neutrality is important for consumers, for the future of the internet, and as we know today, um, and, and and just understand the impact that that it's going to have on on so many people that that use um, this open and free internet that that we enjoy today. Now, net neutrality is not a new topic; it dates back um, all the way back to you know the mid '90s and, and even. A little bit before that, um, but I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, Tom Merritt uh, from the Daily Tech News Show, a lot of people in, the, in you know probably have, have heard his podcast before. He did a great um, kind of historical rundown about net neutrality, its origins, um, kind of where it came from, and, and how it got us to the point where we are today. Um, I'm going to be speaking a little bit more on kind of the current situation and and some of the impact that decisions and, and rulings on these regulations could have to consumers and people across the country. Let's obviously start with kind of a base definition of, you know, what is net neutrality? Um, and that is the principle that ISPs or your internet service providers, your Comcast, your AT&T's, Time Warner's, those companies allow you access to all content and applications regardless of the source and without favoring or blocking particular products or websites. So it kind of boils down to three basic principles um, that these ISPs or internet providers cannot block sites or apps. They cannot have paid prioritization and they cannot throttle sites or apps. So basically, obviously, they can't block any of the websites or applications that you're using on your computer, whether that's um, desktop, laptop, or you know, mobile devices. Um, they can't, we can't block any sites that they prefer and, and you know, force you into maybe some of their own services and things like that. Um, they cannot prioritize uh, certain services. So, you know, Netflix can't come to Comcast and um, and say, we'll pay you this much to prioritize our service so that there's always bandwidth for our users and are able to get high quality streams and things like that. And they also cannot throttle any apps or websites. So they can't uh, slow down your access to any of these services um, for, for any variety of reasons. Um, slowing these services down could you know incline you to use different services if they're not throttling um, or things like that. So in general, they have to allow you equal access to every website that's available or every service and app that's available, regardless of device, regardless of what ISP you're using. Um, it, it has to be a fair and open internet as, um, as it was originally designed to be. And most of y'all are probably thinking, that sounds great. That's, that's exactly what I want. I don't want um, the ISPs to have extra control over my data flow or what I see and the speeds at which I'm able to see things. Um, so these things are, are really important um, in terms of how people are accessing the internet, what kind of content they're seeing, um, because the ISPs, if, if they kind of begin to step in, they begin to kind of control what we see, how we see it, um, 
what services we're using and things like that. So the net neutrality is, is important for two main reasons. Um, that's pr- to protect consumers from ISP monopolies, which we have seen in the past. Um, you can you could kind of say that we even see that now, at least in a regional standpoint, due to lack of competition. Um, and it also makes the market for apps and services on the internet fair so that the best products have the opportunity to win, which is kind of the whole point of why we love the internet. Um, it, it's always given equal playing grounds to everybody. It's what's allowed so many of the companies that exist today to exist. Um, your Googles, your Facebooks, all these big companies are able to thrive because of the open internet and, and the competition that was brought on with that and, and and the best service eventually rising to the top, which is exactly what you want in a competitive market where all these different services and companies are competing. Um, you, you want it to be an equal playing field so that you, you eventually are able to get the best quality service. A few examples of this that we actually saw in 2014, um, Verizon was blocking certain apps on their devices in favor of Verizon's own services, uh, SMS, maps, things like that. Uh, Comcast was excluding apps from their data caps. Um, Netflix actually got involved in this where um, they Netflix was fighting because their service seemed to have been throttled in certain um, places and um Comcast was excluding other apps from data caps, and so the the uh, the bandwidth was was not really being distributed fairly. Um, and also, AT and T sold sponsored data for better access to customers. So these are the type of things that we're really trying to avoid. Um, without this kind of regulation, these kind of companies are free to do what they want, and and this kind of thing will continue to happen. And a lot of what they're saying is, oh, well, you know, give us less regulation and trust us to to look out for the consumer and. These examples, among many others, are just more reasons why we should not trust these ISPs um, at their word, just just not, not at all. So now that we kind of have a base understanding of what net neutrality is, why is it important and why should you care about it? Um, if you go back to early 2015, 2014, um, there was a lot of talk about Title II uh, of the Communications Act. Um, and at the time, uh, the FCC was not... Um, did not have the legal ground to make some of the changes and um, enforce some of the rulings that it wanted to on some of the ISPs. And so Congress told them that in order for them to have that sort of legal standing and have that authority, they needed to um, classify ISPs under Title II of the Communications Act, which would classify them as a common carrier. Um, And so it basically classifies them in the same realm as um, water, electricity, those kind of things that you would expect um, to have and to be regulated in a way that not only was the product safe and of high quality at all times, but that the market remained competitive and that it allowed for innovation and for um, the small guys, the small businesses to innovate and, and grow within that market and actually have a chance to compete. So under the Obama administration, FCC chairman Tom Wheeler passed legislation that reclassified um, ISPs as common carriers under Title II, giving them the legal ground to enforce different regulations that um, they wanted to to keep the market safe. And at the time, you saw most CEOs of major companies being pretty supportive of, of these changes and, and didn't think that it would um, actually affect any of their business. It wouldn't affect their investments. They, they felt like it would be okay and, and things would move forward. Um, AT&T CEO told investors in 2015 um, that they would be de- deploying uh, fi- more fiber in 2016 than they did in 2015 and that t- Title II would not affect their future business plans. 
In that same month in 2016, um, Comcast CEO told investors that any concerns that they had about reclassification were fear of what they um, thought that it could mean, not what it actually meant. And, and in December 2016 as well, Charter CEO told investors that Title II didn't really hurt us and it hasn't hurt us yet. Um, and I say this because um, current FCC chairman Ajit Pai is basing a lot of his argument on why to overturn um, Title II and net neutrality as it stands today um, on capital expenditure, which is basically how much the company is spending or investing on itself and its infrastructure. Um, and he's, he seems to think that um, a lot of these ISPs uh, investments have dropped significantly over um, the period of time where net neutrality has been in place. Um, and the data simply shows that that's just not true. Um, while in 2014, 2016, the change in ISP investments dropped about $3.6 billion, $3.4 billion of that was from AT&T alone. And they had already warned investors that year that um, they would be spending a lot and that their, um, that, that their numbers might not be as impressive as they uh had hoped for because of the amount of money that they were investing in their themselves and their infrastructure. So Ajit Pai, again, FCC chairman, um, is kind of using this number and this metric um, to drive his argument. And, and it's basically an inflated number um, because all the other ISPs, aside from AT&T during that period, um, actually saw a growth in the amount of money that they were investing in their infrastructure. Um, and so to use this number to Again, used as a driving point in your argument is is kind of irresponsible um, and, and and really not true to the market and, and the way it's being represented now. And another piece of Ajit Pai's argument is um, competition. He feels that net neutrality is causing competition to slow down in this market, and that they're um, you know not having these kind of regulations in place would allow for more smaller businesses to um, to enter the market and compete at, at a fair level. And that kind of goes against the basis of what net neutrality is. Um, you know, people that are pro net neutrality feel that the regulations are what keeps the big guys from, from doing irresponsible things and, and allowing the market to continue to be fair and, and, in turn, allow for for the smaller businesses to thrive and actually, um, you know, gain customer bases and and compete in that market. Whereas Agile Pie thinks that um, these regulations are, are preventing um, these smaller ISPs from uh, from entering the, entering the market due to um, different uh, financial restraints, um, things that you know that they don't have the money to to comply with some of these regulations. Um, and again, that that's simply not the case when you look at the data. He points to fees that businesses have to pay to comply, but smaller businesses with less than 250,000 users don't actually have to um, comply with these types of regulations. They're, they're in a, a different classification than these larger ISPs are. So let's get a little bit into Agit Pie's point of, um, is this market competitive enough? Um, and, it, and if you look at it from a broad point, you know, you think that there are, you know, four, roughly four major um, ISPs. You have um, your Comcast, um, kind of uh, Charter, Tom Warner, or Spectrum. Um, you have AT&T, and, and then uh, Verizon, Bios, and in a lot of areas. So there are other ones you know, throughout the country, smaller ones here and there, but those are kind of the main four that uh, most people uh, point to when they think of uh, broadband ISPs. Um, but when you actually look at the numbers, 51% of Americans only have one broadband provider option. Um, so while these four are you know, kind of your nationwide ISPs, they don't really have a, a lot of overlapping um, areas or, or markets. Um, so 51% only have one option. 
38% of Americans only have two choices of ISPs. So if you add that together, that means that 89% of Americans have two choices or less, which is absurd um, for us to only have you know, two choices or less. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. I know where I am here in Nashville, Tennessee, I have two choices. Um, it's either Comcast or AT&T. The service that I the option for, for service for AT&T is significantly slower than the, the Comcast option. So I basically only have one option if I actually want um, high-quality internet. Um, some of those uh, ISP options, again, are DSL, which is a lot slower and doesn't actually hit the, the FCC um, definition of broadband, which is 25 megabits per second up and down. Um, and the United States is not even in the top 10 in internet speed or prices in the world. Um, you look at some places in, in Asia, a lot of places in Europe where there are you know tens, hundreds of different small ISPs competing, um, and that gives them a much higher quality service, and it also com- the competition drives the prices down. So when you look at data, um, the American ISP market is simply not competitive. Um, no matter what Agip High says, uh, we do not have a competitive internet market. Um, the prices are not great. I think anybody who, especially you know Comcast customers, myself included, um, feel like we pay way too much and get way too little, especially with outages and things like that. It's not consistent enough. Um, you know, if you if you we're paying your water company a great deal of money and your water was inconsistent, you you feel like you were being cheated. And that's kind of the point we've gotten to with internet. It's that important and we need to have um, consistent access at, at a good price. And, and that's something that people are fighting for and, and that these net neutrality uh, regulations and, and classifications will actually allow for. And another fear that um, people are starting to have is that a lot of the companies that in 2014, 2015 were you know, all for net neutrality and very supportive. They seem to have kind of dwindled as, as time has gone by and as it seemed that these regulations might get overturned. And a lot of people think that as these companies have kind of gotten bigger through the benefits of net neutrality and through the open and, and competitive market for services and things like that, that they've started to care less about it um, as, as, it's got, as time has moved forward. Um, 2014, Netflix was very supportive of net neutrality. They were very um, outspoken about how uh, their, their support for net neutrality, and it kind of seemed to dwindle, and they weren't as outspoken about it this time around. And at the Code Conference, CEO Reed Hastings actually said that um, net neutrality was very important to their company, and they didn't stop caring about it just because they got big enough to make the deals that they wanted to and didn't necessarily need to uh, to have those kind of regulations in place. Um, but it kind of shows that there's a mindset for these these larger companies as they get bigger that, you know, regardless of what regulations are in place, we can throw money at, at whoever we want and get whatever deals we need to because we've we've achieved this level of success. Um, so that just kind of points to another way that net neutrality benefits, you know, the little guy, the small guy in the market who's trying to break through and actually compete with, with some of these bigger guys. So that's really just kind of my brief um, rundown and, and explainer about you know, what is net neutrality and kind of why you should care about it. I really do care about it. Um, there are plenty of other people that have given better informative rundowns than, than I have. And um, I, I, I just, I just kind of had to give my piece. Um, it, it really is important, not only for today, but for the future of the internet. It's, it's a situation where if, if these legislation and, and regulations get overturned and we go back to kind of how it was pro- previously, there, there may not be a turning back. Um, once ISPs get to the point where they like something, they're going to fight until 
tooth and nail um, to, to, to keep it. So I, I don't see it, once these rulings get overturned, I don't, I don't see a point where, where they're not going to just fight it every second of every day if, if somebody tries to, to take us back to Title II. So, um, so hopefully, you know, maybe something will happen and, and prevent these, these rulings from changing, but it kind of seems like Ajapai has, has made up his mind and he's going to do kind of whatever he can to get these overturned. Um, in, in 2015, when the, when the legislation was originally um, brought to, to, to Congress, uh, Ajapai was, was one of the, the members of the FCC who voted against it. Um, he's been very uh, outspoken about his, his feelings um, against net neutrality. So, um, again, I, I, I just I feel like this, this is going to happen um, unless people really start to speak up, um, which is kind of the beauty of the Internet is that everybody has um, equal options and, and the ability to um, speak up and say their piece and be heard, um, which, which again is, is why we love the internet and, and continue to fight for it um, to stay in, in the same manner that we know it today. If you're wondering what can you do to try and help this cause, um, you can go to the FCC's website. There are various forms that you can, you know, kind of pre-filled out emails and things like that that you can send to your representatives. You can call your representatives, speak out about your feelings to support net neutrality um, and not um, allow Agipi to overturn these regulations. Um, there, there have been a lot of companies that have, again, these tech companies that have been supporting it. A lot of them have been giving kind of options for um, people who see it to, to kind of hit a quick, you know, send um, to, to, generate a letter to, to either FCC Chairman Ajit Pai or, or their representatives. So there's a lot of different ways that you can reach out um, and kind of at least at least try to, to have your voice heard and, and contribute to to the fight. Um, so, again, this, this is a really important um, time for the Internet and for the Internet's future. Um, I really hope that regardless of, of the outcome um, of the regulations and, and classifications, that, that ISPs kind of take note to to what their consumers and, and their users are saying and, and their feelings towards net neutrality, regardless of, 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 of what decisions that the ISPs are going to make. Um, I hope that, that they realize that users want an open internet and they don't want their ISPs to kind of be double dipping and, and, and making money on both ends. Um, so while I'm not terribly optimistic that the ISPs will do the right thing in the long run, um, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, maybe at some point there there will be a, a startup that breaks through, or a smaller company that breaks through and kind of shakes up the market. And, uh, and you know, users leaving or, or switching ISP providers just could be the only thing that that really talks to these these ISPs. Once you start affecting their bottom dollar, their bottom line, then they'll begin to make changes um, because there's not a whole lot of if these changes, if this regulation is overturned, there's not going to be a whole lot standing in their way to kind of do what they want to make that extra buck, which is, uh, which is pretty scary because like I mentioned earlier, um, ISPs don't really have a good track record of keeping their word or doing uh, the most consumer friendly things. Um, so again, if you, if you feel so inclined, reach out to, um, your representatives, wherever you are, um, go to the FCC's website, send an email to your representatives or FCC chairman, Ajit Pai. Um, just, just make your voice heard because that's what the internet allows us to do is, is for everybody to have an equal opportunity to be heard and, uh, and speak their minds. So that's, that's my speech on, uh, net neutrality. Again, I didn't get too deep into it. There's a lot of, uh, more well-versed people than me out there. Again, I mentioned uh, Tom Merritt had a really good write-up on the history of net neutrality. Um, but check out some, uh, some The Verge has some great stuff on uh, net neutrality. Um, but again, 
it's important. Um, I really hope that uh, everybody will kind of pay attention to uh, the next few weeks and months and, and kind of see how this all plays out with uh, the FCC and uh, in the long term with, with the Internet that we love. Let's get into a lightning round of topics, starting with the first image of the Google Pixel XL 2 leaking uh, last week. Android police posted an image of the device. Um, it looks very similar to um, the LG G6, which kind of makes sense because LG is said to be the manufacturer of this phone. Um, it has the very pretty edge-to-edge -edge, um, display on the front using LG's new AMOLED displays, which, again, was kind of fits in with the rumor um, along with um, Google making a large investment in LG's AMOLED displays. Um, so um, has that edge to edge display on the front has a nice large uh, speaker grill at the top, which we're hoping is um, for a front facing speaker um, on the back. It has a similar glass panel to what's on the existing device, um, which houses the camera and the flash. Um, and also it being glass is what allows for the NFC um, some of the other radios um, to live up there. Um, that beneath the glass, um, which is different from the current model, um, the fingerprint sensor lives a brief, a little bit below the glass. Um, in the current model, the the glass um, enclosed the fingerprint sensor as well. Um, so the screen is said to be about six inches, um, but you can expect the body to be very similar uh, to the current Pixel XL in terms of overall size. Um, just due to that edge-to-edge um, -edge display, it will still have about the same overall footprint um, as the current uh, model. Um, so that's kind of the new uh, leaks that we got. Um, it kind of all goes in line with the specs that we got a couple weeks back from XDA, about a 6-inch 1440p LG OLED display, um, Snapdragon 835 processor, 4 gigs of RAM, 128 gigs of storage. Um, and then another one of the leaks um, in terms of that is the um, squeezable technology, which is something we saw in the HTC U11, um, but it would allow for the sides of the phone, kind of where you know your hand rests when you're holding it, um, to be pressure sensitive so that you could you could squeeze um, and launch a certain action. Most people think it'd be Google Assistant in this case. Um, so I'm not really sure how crazy I'll be about that. Um, that'll that'll kind of had to be something that I actually see and, and, and use to to understand its usefulness. Um, but it looks to be that it'll it'll live um, and, and be be on the new Pixel as well um, as it is on the HTC U11. Also, more news from Google. Um, they're rolling out a backup and sync platform that will replace its Google current Google Drive and Google Photos sync applications. Um, so I've actually got this on my machine. It's very useful. It's much more intuitive than, than the previous version. Um, it not only will allow you to sync down certain specific Google Drive folders and um, all your Google Photos, but it also allows for you to sync folders on your desktop up to Google Drive. So that's kind of a new feature, and I'm sure a lot of people will be very excited about that. Um, moving on to Hyperloop One, they conducted their first full-scale test um, last week and had a functional um, Hyperloop um, working on a track. Um, if you remember, Hyperloop is a technology that was developed in the theory from Elon Musk, and he's kind of had different competitions and things like that so that... Uh, groups from different universities and, and research labs are able to compete and then he'll kind of help fund um, a, a small handful of groups to 
continue on and actually develop this technology. And so they were actually able to achieve full vacuum conditions in their closed tube environment um, with a test pod, the actual size of what they envisioned it to be in production um, systems. So a pretty milestone moment for Hyperloop One um, and this technology. I'm hoping to see it at some point in the near future, um, but uh, it's pretty cool and and definitely improve um, long-term transportation. And lastly, you know, I couldn't get through an episode without talking about Amazon. Um, Amazon is considering starting to give their developers access to um, the Alexa voice transcripts, uh, which is something they historically haven't done for security purposes. Uh, Google Home does this um, because they feel that it allows for better voice apps. And so Amazon is considering doing this because of the competition um, that Google has brought into that market. And they think that, again, as Google does, giving these transcripts to developers will um, provide better voice apps, better voice recognition. Um, but it does raise a lot of privacy concerns for users. Me personally, I'm not as concerned. I feel that, uh, you know, honestly, I'm not, I'm not saying anything around my Alexa that, that I'd be too embarrassed about. And I think that, um, you know, being a little bit conscious about that helps. Um, but also, I'm, you know, I'm fine giving a little bit up to get better voice recognition and, and better voice recognition apps. So um, it's an interesting move from um, what Amazon typically does. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of how it is received by all the Alexa users and all the new Alexa and Echo users that uh, recently bought in on Amazon Prime Day and things like that. That is going to wrap it up for this episode of Plugged In. hope that you guys enjoyed those topics. I hope that uh, it wasn't too scatterbrained on the net neutrality discussion. Um, it, it's one of those things that it's hard to kind of gather my thoughts and, 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 and what I really want to say. But um, the, the main point I want to really get across with that is that it is very important. And, and some of the decisions that are being made in, with the FCC right now um, could could have long-term effects on on uh, the open internet internet and, uh, and and our usage of it and, and kind of how we see it as it is today. Um, I am posting this show a little bit later than I had intended. Um, I was hoping to get it out before the end of the weekend, which was yesterday. Um, but, you know, sometimes life, work kind of gets in the way. It got a little bit busier than I expected to. Um, so I do apologize for that. Um, didn't really want to have it bleed into this week because of the um, the focus and the importance that net neutrality held last week, but still definitely felt like it was a topic that needed to be discussed even at too much. Um, you can never talk too much about it. So I hope that at the very least, um, maybe this inclines you to do a little bit more research um, and just kind of learn about what this net neutrality is and, and, and what it could mean for our future. Um, but I hope everybody's had a good Monday. Um, I've, again, I'm working from home as I usually do on Mondays and then was able to get this recorded and, and finished up during my lunch break. Um, if you are listening within the Anchor app, please, please feel free to leave a voicemail on the Anchor app. Um, reach out to me somehow and, and, and leave that voicemail. I'll be sure to post that in the show, um, post a response and, and again, keep the conversation going and then just open up that dialogue. Um, if you're listening on any of the four platforms that the show is now available on Google play music, Apple podcast, the overcast app, um, or pocket cast, please reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Paul Jones B or at plugged in underscore tech for the show's account. Um, and I'd love to get your thoughts and feedback on, um, the topics today of previous shows um, or just kind of what you kind of what you think that future topics should be about and, and kind of what you want to hear but 
thank you all for listening. Um, I really do enjoy doing this um, and enjoy getting any kind of interaction with the listeners out there. Um, I will be back sometime this week. I'm trying to get on some sort of a regular schedule, but just kind of because of how my work schedule is right now um, and kind of some of the side projects I'm working on, it's, it's inconsistent and I'm just trying to record whenever I can. Um, I think I've got the format kind of down that, uh, that I like in terms of getting the, the best sound quality and you know recording this on my computer seems to be working pretty well um, and, and, and a lot easier to hear um, on your end so I'll continue doing that um, but I will be posting again soon because the tech news never stops um, so neither will I um, I'll be keeping up with uh, with everything in, in the news um, and I'll be sure to keep you all up to date and plugged in be sure to check back um, for the next episode subscribe on whatever uh, podcast platform you listen to at least of the four that uh, this show is available on or subscribe and favorite the channel if you are listening within the anchor app Um, thank you all again for listening and i'll talk to you all in the next one peace